You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. This is your host, Tim Link, and I'm so glad you're joining us. My special guest today is New York Times bestselling author Spencer Quinn. We'll be talking to Spencer a little bit about his latest in the Chet and Bernie mystery series, Sense and Sensibility. So we're excited about that and learn about the book and talk to him a little bit about the whole writing process and how he keeps all these great ideas and great themes going on in the mystery series. So everybody, just hang tight. We're going to come right back after these commercial breaks. You're listening to Animal Rights Show on Pet Life Radio. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. Active for Pets is a new wellness platform and app that helps pet parents save time and money on their vet bills. Stop paying for unnecessary vet treatments. Consult with a vet online. Get unlimited access to your pet's entire health history from any computer or smartphone with the Active for Pets app. Vaccinations, medications, test results, and more. Active 4 Pets gives you access to a team of expert vets for non-emergency care. Make an appointment before, during, or after office hours. Skip the waiting room and get a secure online vet consult on your schedule. Taking care of your pets is as easy as it gets with Active 4 Pets. Ready to try Active 4 Pets? Listeners get 40% off a one-year membership. To get this great offer, use promo code PETLIFE on the sign-up page of Active4Pets.com. That's A-C-T-I-V, the number 4, P-E-T-S dot com. Or call 888-512-2848. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back. Welcome back to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. And joining me now is author extraordinaire Spencer Quinn. Spencer, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. My pleasure. Uh, oh, it's always great to have you on. Always interesting to see what's going on in the uh, Chet and Bernie mystery series and your latest book, Sense and Sensibility. Uh, tell us a little bit about the book. Well, Sense and Sensibility is the eighth book in the Chet and Bernie mystery series. So the first five took place in what Chet knows of as the Valley, and he only finds out in book six when they leave that it's at the Valleys in Arizona. So in book six, which was The Sound and the Furry, and book seven, Paw and Order, they take a kind of road trip. They have a case in Bayou Country in Louisiana, and then one in Washington, D.C. But Sense and Sensibilities begins with the sentence, Home at Last. So they come back from their road trip, and fall into another case that actually starts with their next-door neighbor. They notice that a, a big saguaro cactus has been planted in front of the house, and these neighbors, the Parsons, are very old, and they have this dog, Iggy, who's actually Chet's best friend. And a cactus is there, you know, a big one that's been planted, and all of a sudden this woman from the Department of Agriculture is there saying that it's a, an illegal cactus and it had a chip in it, and they know where it was taken, and that leads into a whole mystery of going way back in, in time and into a violent kind of situation. Oh, my gosh. So the question is, I always got to ask this because it's always fascinating to me, is the whole process of putting this together, how do you uh, keep the flow going? How do you come up with the great ideas and you know, uh, keep everything, I, in my mind, unboggled, you know? <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, those are several questions. I mean, okay, let's take sense and sensibility. I, I like to start with some little thing, just some little thing that's out of place. That's just the other side of innocent and something. So I thought this saguaro cactus, I mean, this is certainly not a capital crime, right? That someone went out into the desert and took one of these. You're not supposed to do it, but you wouldn't think it would lead to a whole serious issue where it's almost like that, but it turns into a tip of the iceberg situation. And actually we find out a lot about this elderly couple, the Parsons have appeared and reappeared in the whole series. But now for the first time we find that they have a son named Billy, who's actually been away for 15 years, as it were, and has recently returned. And things about his past and a girl who went missing all are discovered by Chet and Bernie. So I like to start with just a little thing, and you you pull at that thread, and it gets more and more complicated and leads into danger. So that's how I start, how to keep the flow going. That's a great question. I'm knocking on wood right here. You can't see me, but (laughs) as we speak, any writer wants to keep the flow going. And here's how I do it. I try to write every day. The idea being that you don't, even if you don't do a whole lot, at least you've advanced the story a little bit beyond where you were before. The other thing is I keep in mind this sort of mantra that I've always told myself that if you do feel that you're getting stuck, take a step back and think of the engine that drives the story. Now, unfortunately, a lot of stories don't actually have an engine and there's really no hope, but the engine that drives the Chet and Bernie mystery series is the love between Chet the dog and Bernie the detective. And if I just step back and think of that engine, some kind of narrative root always suggests itself. So I hope that answers your question. That's yeah. the best I can do on it. Well, you do it quite eloquently, so that's uh, it's very good. Yeah, because it's always fascinating to me because the, the books always flow so well. The the mysteries are always interesting, and, and it always I always wonder, you know, how do you go about doing that? Is it's and, and is it one of those things you wake up in the middle of the night with all these great ideas for the next one, or is it more of oh no, the next one's coming up? I got to come up with something. Well, no, no, I've been see. That's a great question, but I've been very lucky with that. Where the sort of big idea that's going to drive the book. I never go out searching for that. I go out and search for a lot of things after that, but the big idea that's going to drive the book, I wait for. And really this, I mean, toward the, this book, really one of the big things in it, there's a Burning Man type festival that's actually called Cactus Man. And the people who run that run a lot of other things too. And it leads to a very, you know how strange some of the things that Burning Man are. So I have this strange kind of desert festival only seen through the eyes of a dog. But all that just came to me out of the blue. And I don't go searching for it. But after, and it came to me before I'd finished Paw and Order. So I I knew the outlines of what I wanted to do, but I, I hadn't really constructed it. And the hardest part for me is always, especially since these are mysteries, and mysteries plotting is, is crucial. And to me, it's always been the hardest part of, of the process is to tell the mystery in a way that's exciting, suspenseful, and at the same time fair to the reader. I never want to do the equivalent of what you might see in a movie where, okay, the door opens and the bad guy walks in, only you only see him from the knees down. Because if you saw the whole of them, the story would be over. You'd know who he was. I mean, to me, that's not being fair to the reader. So the plotting is the hard part. 
and that I, you know, the start of the book goes fairly quickly. Then comes a middle part that's kind of tangled where I have to really understand the plotting and how I'm going to do it. And then, then you hit a downhill portion at the end, which is always nice. <laughs> so it just coasts on downhill. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> now, do you ever get into a, an idea that you think is, wow, this is a great way to go with this, you know, as natural progression, whatever it may be, and you get partially into it and realize, oh, this wasn't quite what I thought it was going to be. Maybe I need to shift gears a little bit. I've been very lucky with that. And the more I write, I can't, I'm sort of astounded. I, I've never had to like throw out more than, this is the honest truth, I've never had to throw out more than a page or two. Wow. And even that is really, really rare. I think what happens is I have a, like, let's say some, just what you were talking about, like some idea of where the story could go might occur to me, and something in me says no, and I, I rely on that, and I don't need to actually go through the difficult trip of following every little tree branch to why it isn't going to work. I just take it for granted and drop it and look for another way. That's a good way to put it. I mean, that's, uh, you know, to me, that's amazing how that flow happens for you. Because, you know, I would just think that naturally at some point, uh, you know, when you think of most people, you have these great ideas. Usually it's in the middle of the night, you know, when you're to finally let your brain calm down and uh, let get rid of those they call post-it notes on the brain. Then the next morning you wake up and it's like, well, what was I thinking about there? That doesn't, <laughs> doesn't quite flow. Okay, now for me, those kind of ideas you're talking about actually happen in the shower. <laughs> not not when I'm sleeping. And, oh, yeah, like this is going to be very politically incorrect in terms of water conservation, which I know is a big national issue now. But I, I think writers should take very long showers. <laughs> that would be my advice. If I was teaching an MFA program, I think I'd start with that. Go home and shower for half an hour and come back tomorrow. <laughs> it's like there's something amniotic about it, you know, and it gives birth to ideas. So I've had so many ideas that help drive the story forward that have come to me in the shower and also swimming, swimming in the ocean. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, I, I talk about this a lot. I, I teach a lot of workshops and one of the topics we go through is sort of meditation. And I, I ask the folks in the class uh, who meditates you know, we get a handful of, of hands that pop up and they say, well, you know, I do the sort of a lotus position or I listen to drums or chanting. In reality, when I start to peel it back for them, anything is a form of meditation. So if you're a gardener and that takes you out of your conscious mind and, and allows that subconscious to flow through, that is definitely a form of meditation. If you listen to music, swimming in the ocean, these type of things that get you out of that conscious state and put you in that subconscious space is a, a form of meditation. And, and I do have to believe uh, writing would be one of those things as well. No, I agree with you completely. And I think sometimes it's really important to walk away, just turn it off, do something physical. You can't cudgel your mind 24-7. No mind can, you know, stand up to that kind of pressure. And I, but in my office where I write, I listen to a lot of music too. I agree with you. I agree with you on music completely. Absolutely. Um, it's the opposite of a distraction. It like bathes you in, you know, in something very mysterious, actually, that I like. All right. We're going to take a quick commercial break. I'll let everybody imagine uh, Spencer in the shower listening to his favorite music. There's a nice <laughs> one. <laughs> We're going to come back right after these commercial break. Uh, you're listening to the Animal Rights Show on Pet Life Radio. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. Exactly. 
Amazing Pet Expos is coming to a city near you. Admission is always free and your pet is welcome. Shopping, adoptions, free nail trims, discounted shots and microchipping, agility, a pet costume contest, and much more. Plus, meet the guys from Animal Planet's hit TV series Tank and Pit Boss online at AmazingPetExpos.com. Bring your pets to the Pet Expo. Hey everybody, this is Tim Link, the host of Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Got some exciting news for you here today. My audiobook is now available. Wagging Tails, Every Animal Has a Tail is now available in audiobook form through audible.com, amazon.com, and iTunes. It's a collection of 32 conversations I've had with the animals. It's a fun, interesting, heartfelt book that's suitable for all age groups. So everybody pick up a copy of the audiobook, Wagging Tails, Every Animal Has a Tail. You'll be glad you did. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back. Welcome back to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. It's your host, Tim Link, and I'm talking to uh, multi-time New York Times bestselling author Spencer Quinn. Talking about his latest book, Sense and Sensibility. Now, Spencer, with this uh, particular book, is there any, uh, without giving away the whole plot and the storyline and everything goes with it, are there any unique twists or characters or any new things that uh, the readers be uh, surprised to see? Yes, the ending. <laughs> I, yeah, there's no question that this, I'm pretty sure that this ending is going to provoke some interest. Oh, boy. Yeah, I told the first line of the book is home at last. You know, all this book, okay, so these books, for uh, people who don't know, are narrated by Chet, the dog, but he's not a talking dog. That's the key to the whole series. He's as canine as I could make him, and his sense of smell and his sense of hearing are more important than his sense of visual, so his visual sense, so that, that these mysteries really come to you a lot through senses that mysteries normally don't. So he's not a talking dog. He's not a human wrapped up in a dog suit. He's as canine as I could make him. But anyone who knows dogs know that they have a narrative going on in their head, and that's what's on the page. So it's all in the first person. The book is completely in the first person told by Chet. Bernie's the detective. So the first line is home at last. The last line is I know Bernie. But what happens in between, I think, will make that last line, I know Bernie, kind of surprising, maybe even a bit shocking. Ah. But I'm not going to reveal it, right? Because <laughs> That's right. They've got to read the whole book and no skipping yes, to the end, guys. Yes, they have to read the whole book. That's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> As for the lotus position, which you brought up in right. terms of meditation, yeah, I can't do the lotus position. I had a hip replaced recently and my other one needs it too. So I'd be in the ER if I attempted that. <laughs> attempted that. That's what I told him. I said, I can get in the lotus position. Now, getting out, that's a whole different story right there. Yeah, yeah. Not going to happen. <laughs> Not going to happen. Oh, goodness. So then let's talk about the writing process as a whole. You said you write every single day, and you've got your own special spot for it. Now, do you have uh, your own special uh, way of going about doing it as, as far as like time of day, or is, you, do you have to have your pens in a certain order? How's that whole process flow for you? Well, you see, during my life, it's changed. You know, as the kids got older, you know, it used to be I worked I had school hours, right? I'd, you know, <laughs> right. we had four kids, so my wife might drive one to school, I might drive another, and then the school day happened, and that's when I'd do my work and try to get to the gym during that period. And then after school, there were sports, and they were all very athletic and played lots of sports, and I wanted to watch. 
So I really, I had a, like a 12-year-old kid's school day, and that's when I wrote. Now uh, they're all grown up, and so I, I like to be at my desk. We have like a detached garage, so I have like, and, and the room above it is my office. So I have about a 15-foot commute, but it's a psychological commute, too. And I, I try to work for a couple hours. Then I do something else. I go to the gym or I play tennis. And then I come back and, and do really, you know, two or three hours more. But it's not really on hours. I'm really, I'm, I think of myself as more like a peace worker, P-I-E-C. I, I try to do a thousand words a day. I hardly ever do it. I like to set goals that just upset me, you know, because I can't do them. Um, <laughs> A thousand words a day, but even if I only do 500, as I mentioned before, I've, I've added to it. So I always like to advance the story, and I mean that in two ways. One, to do more work to get it later on in the story, but two, in every, every sentence has to advance the story. In other words, not, never to be spinning your wheels and, and, and to just get rid of any, you know, let's say there's a description of a beautiful sunset and a rainbow on top of it, but it isn't advancing the story, that's gone. You can have beauty, and you can have really fine prose, but it has to be in service of advancing the story. No. So that's my method, and, and um, I don't make much of an outline. As I mentioned, I, I try to figure out like the main part of the story, which in Sense and Sensibility has to do with a stolen cactus and a festival called Cactus Man and a long-ago crime. In many ways, actually, I don't know if your listeners are familiar with the novels of Ross MacDonald, who is my favorite mystery writer. So he was a California mystery writer of the 50s and 60s, and this book is slightly reminiscent of his work. He had a lot of environmental concerns, and that's certainly reflected uh, in this book. And he was very interested in long-ago crimes that send kind of fissures through the succeeding generations of a family. And that happens in uh, Sense and Sensibility, too. But, of course, Ross MacDonald never used a dog narrator. <laughs> he <laughs> right. used Lou Archer. So a couple movies were made of his, and Paul Newman starred. One was called Harper, and I can't remember the other one offhand. Very interesting. So do you find that, you mentioned his work obviously has a lot of influence on you. Do you find other authors that resonate with you, or you can see after you've written the stories, they have shades of their thought processes in there? I never try, no, I try to absolutely uproot the sh this, any other person's thought process. I don't want, okay, number one piece of advice to an aspiring writer, take long showers. Number two would be to find what's unique in you and blow that up as big as you can and put that on the page. To try not to be like anybody else. Now, of course, you know, in this business, you know, there's a lot of pressure to be like, you know, kind of like mm -hmm. someone else mm -hmm. who's famous. But that's something I rejected long ago. Yeah. Well, I think that's a wise words. I really do. Because you have to be yourself. You have to find your own voice and your own space in the world. Obviously, we're going to be influenced by various people. But I would have to say, you know, even my own writing, of course, I do a lot of nonfiction. I don't think I write like anybody else. I think some authors are probably glad <laughs> that I don't <laughs> write like them, but uh, yeah, I, I try to try to find my own voice out there, and I, I think that is a very very good uh, words of wisdom. Yeah, no, I agree, and I'll tell you someone else who this is. You know, I didn't really notice this. I heard from a reader who said that the Chet and Bernie mysteries reminded him of P.G. Woodhouse. I don't know if your listeners know his work. Like he did the Jeeves stories. He was British. 
a tremendously popular writer, especially in Britain. Anyway, they're very, very well written and they're very funny. And uh, there's a kind of sidetracking that goes on and then loops back. And it's actually quite a lot the way, in some ways, the way that Chet narrates the story. I thought that was an interesting observation, and I've read a lot of P.G. Woodhouse, but not for 30 years or 40. So it's interesting that that would come up. I think when you read it, your brain absorbs all these words and, and all these patterns and, and you know, can re-break them up and reconstitute them. And, and so I think one, uh, okay, so here's my third and probably last piece of advice. <laughs> There's the long shower. <laughs> <laughs> There's the blow up what's unique in you, and then I'd say do a lot of reading. That's yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, I think that's very wise because it's. Uh, I do a lot of reading just in the fact that I'm very interested. Obviously, it's part of this show and in what I do. I like seeing the patterns and how people go about doing their work. In both in the book, you can see it sort of their mind clicking or how it how it transpires when they write. And then obviously talking to, to wonderful folks like you on the show, it gives me real good insight on uh, on how you go about doing your craft, and that's fascinating to me. Yeah, but you know, here's the other thing. I I don't think there's no one right way. Graham Greene said, and he's another favorite of mine, he said, one of the first things you've got to learn is how you yourself write a novel. And I think a lot of writers actually don't learn how they do it and really flounder around a lot. I think that's really important to do. Yeah. Well, that's true. And especially when you're talking about, you know, a series like this, that's always fascinates me because, you know, on one hand, you know, I talk to some authors and once they get a series, you know, going, it's pretty much cut and paste. You know, it's like, here are my characters. Mm -hmm. I may introduce a new one, but not too many because that throws people off. And then I'll forget about that character in book number eight. You know, people want to know where that character went to. So it's a lot to keep a track of. So I keep this sort of cookie cutter. Keep it fresh and interesting, but keep it cookie cutter. But then others are like, no, I totally negate what I wrote the last time and try to find something new and start from scratch while keeping the uh, integrity of the characters in play. Yeah, I mean, I can't do cookie cutter, but one of the things about the Chet and Bernie series, these can be read in any order. Chet would never say, should they be read in a particular order? But certain, you see their relationship between Chet and Bernie from different angles, and you certainly see it from a very different angle in Sense and Sensibility. Absolutely. I'm alluding again to the ending, which I'm not going to reveal. <laughs> <laughs> You're scaring the heck out of people. They're thinking this is the end of it. Well, I've got you here. I mean, obviously, uh, there's the business side of things. When something's good, stick with it. Don't fix something that's not working. But on the other hand, there's the writing aspect. And I've talked to a lot of writers who are like, okay, I can see this going to a certain point, and then, then i got to move on to something different. Do any of those things resonate with you, or do they ever come in your, in your mindset? Well, I'm doing... A middle grade series for Scholastic, Woof. They're also dog narrated. Uh, these are for you know middle grade kids, and Woof came out recently, and and the second one would be out in April, and, they, and the first one did well, and and uh, kids really seem to like it. So I'm very busy with that. So I don't at this point. I do have an idea for a novel that will have a dog in it but will be third-person, not narrated by this dog. And actually, the dog is going to be extremely different from Chet and not in the major role. But it's going to be a question of when I can fit that in. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you're a wise man for keeping dogs in your books. That's the that's Thank the key. You. Not only do we love it here at uh, Pet Life Radio and the Animal Rights Show, but uh, yeah, everybody seems to got to love our dogs, that's for sure. Well, if I didn't love dogs, I couldn't do this. There you go. That's simple. Yeah. I like it. I like it. Well, Spencer, tell us, uh, it, when everybody picks up a copy of Sense and Sensibility, what do you hope they walk away with after reading the book? 
Well, I hope they're entertained as I hope they have been from all the books in the series and also drawn into the mystery because I don't want these. These are not cozies and the mysteries aren't fluffy little things, you know, that that have no meaning. But I think I want them to be a bit emotionally moved in this book as well. Very good. Very good. Well, everybody, make sure you pick up a copy of the latest of the Chet and Bernie Mysteries by Spencer Quinn. It's called Sense and Sensibility. It's available at all major bookstores, I'm assuming, all online bookstores, favorite independent stores. It's everywhere, and you guys are going to love it as usual. Spencer, hey, thanks for coming on the show again. We look forward to uh, talking to you again down the road, and much success on Sense and Sensibility. Thank you so much. I enjoyed it very much. All right. Well, we're coming to the end of the show today. I want to thank everyone for listening to the Animal Rights Show on Pet Life Radio. I'd also like to thank our sponsors and producers for making this show possible. Find out more about me, Tim Link, and the other guests I've interviewed on the Animal Rights Show. You can go to PetLifeRadio.com, click on the Animal Rights icon, and download the episodes and listen to all the wonderful folks I've had an opportunity to interview. And while you're there, make sure you check out all the other wonderful shows and hosts on Pet Life Radio. It's PetLifeRadio.com. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for this show, please email me. You can email me at tim at petliferadio.com, and I'll be glad to uh, answer your questions, entertain your comments, and bring on the people you want to hear from most. So until next time, write a great story about the animals in your life, share it in a blog, an article, or in a book, and who knows, you may be the next guest on Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Have a great day. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand. Only on PetLifeRadio.com.